again for another uh, interview and we're going to talk about his brand new book that's coming out on the 22nd. Uh, I want to make sure I say this correctly, Out of the Embers, Faith After the Great Deconstruction. That's right. Yeah, I'm I I am really excited. I actually haven't read it full disclosure, just read parts of it, uh, parts of what has been said about it. I've been like the fan of listening to other podcasters who maybe have read it and things like that. Um, but I know I just, I just wanted to have you on and I want people to get this book because it is so needed, like just the title. Yeah, that we need to do that. So, uh, Riley, what inspired you to write this book? I think the, the biggest thing that was on my heart was how often I was getting messages from people who are in this, what they would call deconstruction, that's kind of become a trendy word. And and what bothered me was uh, two extreme responses to those folks that I just felt were so unhelpful. So one response was like what I call the hand-wringing pastors who are like thinking that the folks in deconstruction are backsliding into apostasy. Right. And to be fair, some are. They've actually left Jesus over yeah. stuff, you know, yeah. but, but like trying to herd them back into the church or back through that emotional and spiritual door that from which they've made an exit. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, it doesn't work, but also it doesn't recognize how much of Christian faith is meant to be that way. Wow. The other response that I, I was frustrated with, frankly, was, um, there are many people who are blessing deconstruction and becoming what I call happy, clappy cheerleaders of it and making an industry of it <laughs> at the expense of people mm. who are experiencing it as trauma. So they're like, yes, just follow your heart. Do whatever. Is it. This is great. Burn it all down. Empty the pews. <laughs> right. And 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 there, and I'm getting DMs in social media like every week. It's like I did that. And now I'm in a psych ward. Or I did that, and I thought I would lose my church, but I even lost my faith, and now I've even lost meaning in life. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what do we do for these people? Well, waving pom-poms isn't it, you know? So I thought what we need to start with is just some empathy, you know? So there's those who've come out of, let's call it, uh, Richard Rohr talks about orientation, disorientation, and reorientation. So the people who are well-oriented, your conservative pastor will say, or the people who are reoriented, like the people who've gone through deconstruction in a healthy way, they're both looking at this middle group that's so disoriented and and bombarding them with messages. And I think, oh, I think there's a better message and for them and maybe some ancient wisdom that I could go bring to the table. Yeah. Yeah, that I mean, that is so helpful. That's one of the things that, boy, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm growing in my knowledge with all of our church fathers and mothers. That oh my goodness, they they created a foundation, and we need to go back to that place to help us with everything that we are grappling. Um, and and I do think you know, and, and then you also have the baby believers who just think everything's great, and you've got it all happening all at once, and you know, and 
as leaders, we need to be, we just need to be helping people where they're at with whichever ditch they're in or way they're heading into a ditch or whatever. And, you know, I I think the truth is it will be, it's a painful process. It can be, it can be for some people, you know, in the book, I talk about it being complex because honestly, for some people, it's just really liberation. They're they're experiencing the lightness of not having to believe certain things anymore. And it feels like another born again experience. And it feels like just outgrowing something that was too constrictive. So I want to give a nod to those folks who are like, no, this is great. In fact, we were meant to be this way. I'm like, yes. But also, <laughs> we've got these other folks that are, um, let's say they've left a community, mm-hmm. and now they feel alienated and isolated and alone. I'm like, so really, we're just going to leave them at that? And mm-hmm. um, maybe not. <laughs> maybe right. maybe they need to be heard, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so in this in this place of, okay, we got the ones that are just liberated. Yay, I'm happy. Okay. And then you've got the ones that are really alienated and confused and in pain and and maybe in the psych ward or somewhere along the gamut in their process. What would you tell those people or what are you telling these people in your book? Yeah, um, I'm trying to be careful with what I tell them, because like I can see how almost anything I say to someone in that state is can just take it as another platitude and I I can actually create more harm. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I do, I I do first of all, tell them, I hear you. I know what you mean. I've been through this and, and uh, I'm, I'm grateful to say it's not the end of the road. Um, But we're also not going to go through a a quick drive through experience to get you out. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so I start with the empathetic listening that, that if they can have a sense of being heard and understood and and seen, that itself is a, a, quite an amazing yeah. so um, cool. healing uh, component. Mm-hmm. But also, what I'm hoping to do, I have a few key words that I explain, and some of them I got from my my godfather. And so, he would say we want to move from from alienation into into presence in communion. So that's an interesting phrase, presence in communion. And the idea there is that um, we come out of alienation when we find those we can be present to and who are present to us. Mm-hmm. And in that mutual presencing, um, we experience an exchange of grace. So like when you and I talk, we we always connect. And it's like um, there's an exchange of grace in the conversation. And that's actual communion. And, and as we begin to find those with whom we can experience that he would even say that is the kingdom of god and it's in in that that we experience god so that would be a second phrase i use a lot is a living connection so um rowan williams once wrote a little gem called where god happens and that's a really interesting phrase where god happens and I would say where God happens is in that exchange of grace where we are present to one another and God's in there. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's, that's what I mean also then by a living connection. So for example, a lot of people who thought they could just leave their community 
but you know, I'm going to just, you know, I'll still love Jesus. And then if six months later, they don't even believe in Jesus anymore. I'm like, did you not have a living connection with them? I'm so sorry. Right. What a disservice we did as, as churches or faith communities, if we never facilitated mm-hmm. um, that kind of living connection. And I used to say encounter, but mm-hmm. people thought I meant dramatic encounter. I'm like, oh no, it's not always dramatic. It can just be like quiet companionship and experiencing that with one another and with God is, is to become rooted again. And when we have roots, good things can grow. Wow. That is, that's beautiful. Oh, I love that. I love that. So that was, that would be kind of um, step one. I hear you. I'm, 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 I'm having empathy with your alienation I don't have any quick answers for you, yeah. but there are answers. Yeah. Or at least invitations. Or invitations. Yeah. 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 We've had probably too many answers, <laughs> but I, yeah. So when I do a Q and A, I always call it a Q and R, a Q and response. Like I can respond. Right. I don't know that you're going to hear my response as an answer. I don't even know if it is one, but like if we walk together, I I think something will emerge from the ashes. And that's what fascinates me about this um i i wanted to kind of have a sub uh, in my subtitle somehow i had like three subtitles there like you can't have three <laughs> subtitles so one side subtitle you know it is um uh faith after the great deconstruction another yeah. one was going to be like the perils and uh what was it the necessity of it the necessity and the perils and the possibilities of deconstruction Ooh, possibilities yeah yeah and another was going to be inex something about inexplicable because i felt like i've mm-hmm. seen so many people where the the bulldozer of life went over them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you would think they'd have nothing left but inexplicably there some of them even still believe god is good i'm like how can you even say that <laughs> and it's like i don't know i can't explain it but it's just a thing oh my yeah goodness. so it's not out of the ashes it's actually out of the embers there's something alive in there that we can oh. stir up and and and, and that's also beautiful because you mentioned how we can show up for one another like if we can stir up the embers because an ember assumes that there's something there that still has fire and life in it. Yes. And so we can stir that up. Yeah. Um, so that things come to life again and, and we get to partner with it. Isn't it beautiful how I, I'm always amazed at as sons and daughters, how God honors us and helps us to partner with him to help someone else. A lot of times out of our own ashes and embers. Yeah. And, and and we get to do that. And that's kind of part of our recompense for our alienation, our whatever, our issues or whatever, whatever happened, wherever the bulldozer hit or whatever, we get to do that. I mean, that's what you do every time you come on, you're, you're stirring it up for someone else. And we get to be part of that community to do that, even though, uh, and I think sometimes, and you're right, because a lot of times the answers come in the response, even though in the response, there wasn't an answer, but you showed up to response to respond. And in that there was an answer. If it wasn't the answer in the fact that you showed up and there's grace and God speaks to it. And it's amazing. Yeah. I, that, that feels very true to me. It it feels like um, responsiveness 
mm-hmm. right, is is an important way of being in relationship, and that that has a healing effect. I I think like a word that comes to mind when you experience that is belonging, a place where I where I can belong, where I'm not just out on my own, and and um, I'm almost thinking that when in in you know we have heaven and hell language. Mm-hmm. But in the Gospel of John, the language Jesus is, uses there is is perishing and eternal mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. or just life. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's about this life. So when I use the word alienation, that's kind of a modern word for perishing. Yeah. And and when I use a word like com- presence and communion or living connection, that's kind of what I mean. I think what Jesus means by this is eternal life that not that you would die and go to heaven someday, but that you would know my father and that you would know me, the one he sent. And then that out of that, you'd love one another. And even in the, in the book, I, I refer a lot to, you know, my experience of 12 step recovery and, and how I found connection and belonging there and people who, aren't even sure a lot of them are, are definitely, they would not identify as Christian, but they are the presence of God to one another and they're being set free and transformed. And I'm like, Oh, I know this one. <laughs> um, and I'm like, tell them, tell me about your higher power. And, and so these are people agnostics, for example, or self-proclaimed pagans. They'd say, well, my higher power is loving, caring, forgiving, responsive and relational. I'm like, wow, <laughs> mine too. I, what I, do you know? I am. If, yes, that's great. Yeah. And if Jesus needs to power. do that, yeah. If Jesus yeah. needs to do to be that for them anonymously for a time, because the church has sort of ruined his name in some quarters, um, then he's happy to go with it. And so I am actually seeing salvation happening in their real lives. That's incredible. Without you know, without the, hi, I got to take credit. I'm Jesus. I'm the one. And I I think that's amazing (laughs) about him. He's, he's just like, yeah, whatever, however I need to show up for you. That works for me. He's I'm going to. Yes. yes. And he does. And he does. And it's just, it's so, he's so much bigger than we, we thought he was. And I, I love that in the context. And of course, these are people that haven't like deconstructed the way we've been talking about the church, but this is how God is showing up for them. And if God shows up for them in that place, then the one that is in the psych ward, because they've deconstructed everything that brings hope in life, Mm -hmm. um, he's showing up for them as well. And I love the fact that you bring at the way we can be there for one another in this is this concept of community, because we can show up as God with skin on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, As Christ in us, not that we're God, but we're sons and daughters who carry his presence. And yeah. Cool. Well, and you've raised something, you know, for some, it, they would limit um, the word deconstruction to, let's say, a belief system. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I, I'm not sure I believe in this religion anymore, this belief system. But yeah, for my recovery friends, it's like uh, life was deconstructed, yeah. you know, um, or if they, let's say, a dismantling of uh, on on the negative side, you know, their marriage blows up mm-hmm. or their job blows up. All they might see that as a kind of deconstruction, but sure. but also inside of that, uh, something good happens. We I just learned a word the other day, ego side, and it's like the death of the the of the enthronement of the ego. 
And so some of these addicts are like, I'm so grateful for my addiction because I would have never been freed from my ego. Wow. I would have lived in self-will and selfishness and self-centeredness. And, and, and what happened was they bottomed out on their, on, on egoism or egotism. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, I guess that's a kind of deconstruction too then. Wow. Interesting. Wow. That's a big deal. You know, it's so funny on, in, a, in, a, in many religious Christian circles, you know, it's like we're dying to self all the time. It's all this kind of stuff. And, 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 and in this particular group of people, they're dying to self, even though they don't necessarily are tracking with the Christ in them that they are one with and the trueness of who they are in that. And so that's really fascinating. Wow. I love it. I love it. You know, it's like God pops up in sneaky ways all the time. It's just so fun to see. <laughs> yeah. One of my friends calls him Jehovah Sneaky. <laughs> yes. I love Jehovah Sneaky. Yes. I love it. I love it. So um, for say someone who may not be at that level of, you know, I've deconstructed hope, life, meaning, um, but I'm really struggling maybe. And I, I see what I also see a lot is a people that maybe has been so traumatized in in the church world that they've kind of they've pulled back and now they're just alone and community is a thing and one of the things that I've admired about you is that you are you constantly seek out community like you're seeking out community you're seeking out people okay let me sit under you to to learn what you've grabbed a hold of or whatever. You're very, you're so humble in that. And so community focused. Um, what would you maybe say to those people um, in this? Because you, you do have such a great grasp on this. Like you, you, you never deconstruct a community. Yeah. I, it's very weird to me. Like um, um, I've always had a mentor since like deliberate mentor, at least since I was 17 years old and now I'm 58 I've ne- and usually a few of them. And um, I don't know if that's a gift. They are gifts, but I'm like, this can't be so hard to find one. So I feel, I feel like I have people calling me and like, I just can't find a mentor. And would you mentor me? And it's like, you're telling me there's no one with silver hair in your town. Mm -hmm. like go to the coffee shop and sit down and just start listening to people. And I, I feel like it's um, the pushback I get on that is it's all, I get a prideful pushback. Well, I can't really receive from them. I'm like, then, then, then that's the problem. Um, So I feel like we could find, we can find community with anyone who we're willing to receive from. I have found intense healing community among uh, people in the disabled community. If you if you need community, go serve somewhere. How about like a care home where uh, the the people with disabilities need to get out? Take mm-hmm. them for an, that's actual community. That's going to do something that like finding a PhD prof to teach you is is just never going to do. <laughs> or you know. Um, join any 12-step group as a friend of the group. You don't have to be an addict. Or, you know, um, 
I don't have time for it right now, but I would love to go down to the local park here where I see a lot of old Sikh men sitting around in their turbans chatting away. And I'm like, that's maybe the next place I want to go. I want to go sit with them and like, what do you talk about? And, and to prepare for that, mm-hmm. you can prepare for these things. So um, I've just read the entire Sikh scriptures. So now oh, you got I have, them all. Wow. I have a, that took a long time, 90 hours on audiobook. <laughs> and um <laughs> But now I have a million questions for them. And it was amazing. I'll give you a fun example. You may have heard me say this somewhere because I've shared it once or twice elsewhere. Mm -hmm. But it just, I I met a Sikh, a young Sikh man in the, at his kiosk in the mall selling covers for the phones. And I, I, I told him I'd been reading his scriptures. I wondered if they have anything at their place where that's in English. You're like, no, no, we don't have that. But he, so he's like, so what did you, what it, what was your takeaway from our scriptures? And I'm like, well, that uh, one glance of God's grace washes all our sins away. That's in their Bible. And I'm yeah. like, it's so amazing. That'll That's sing. Incredible. Eh? You, wow. And he goes, oh, you're giving me goosebumps. You know, like, so <laughs> <laughs> we had a moment of grace. There was pr- actual presence happening there for a few minutes. And I'm like, this isn't so hard, but maybe we've thought about it in, terribly narrow terms right go for a walk with anybody um i've just i've joined hiking clubs before now i've gone to the bird sanctuary i've joined the facebook uh group for that bird sanctuary um covid made me want to get out of my house and meet my neighbors for the first time oh. i i have neighbors on my cul-de-sac i hadn't met them in 10 years yeah and i'm yeah. like this is unacceptable so i guess Unless you're just like so wasted that you can't go outside. And there are folks like that. Um, Even then, I found out there's online communities and people who would never show their face in a live group find Mm -hmm. some some sense of community that I was more cynical about before. Like you can't have community on a Facebook group. And now I have. It's very weird. Isn't it weird? (laughs) I think we can... I, I think if we're we're searching, we will find. I mean, I really yeah. do. Um, yeah. I love that about oh, what a beautiful. I love that thing with the secret. I started reading that. See no stranger because I heard. Oh, you good. Say, yeah. Oh my God, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, like maybe if you have to choose between her book and mine, I'd say go with her. See no stranger by Valerie Carr, or you can go to her website. And so here's a Sikh woman who works with Christians. Mm-hmm as a as a bridge builder and a peacemaker and i'm telling you her her teaching is as close to to the sermon on the mount as i've seen anywhere um and and speaking of that i do team teaching on the sermon on the mount with my friend safi kaskas a muslim who's translated the quran isn't he wonderful actually he would he would go on your show and um you get to see a jesus following muslim who really gets it and so we he says brother I, I'm like, you're such a good friend. He goes, no, it's beyond that now. You're my brother. And, uh, you know, so we're we're doing whatever we can together to to build bridges of, of because uh, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called children of God. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh. And Jesus, in the same ser- sermon, cautioned people who said, well, you know, I'm, I'm a child of God because, like, I say, Lord, Lord, like I'm using the right name. Right, right. And it's right. like, hmm, not necessarily. So, oh. 
he challenges me, you know? Yeah. Well, and this is part of the deconstruction process because, you know, for forever, it was like, you're in, you're out, you say the prayer, you jump through the hoop, Holy Spirit pops in you. Now you're not going to go to eternal conscience torment, all of this stuff. And we're just like, look at That was a good summary. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And they Yikes. thought about it once or twice. Um, but, um, and you know, it's, and then you're talking about all these incredible people. I mean, like beautiful people, God's children with God in and moving through them that are doing a better job preaching our Sermon on the Mount than we are doing. Yeah. And I mean, you know, no condemnation, but I'm just saying, what does that say about the hugeness of God and then the omnipresence of God. You know, we like to say God's omnipresent, except for in the unbeliever or whatever, whatever rules we're making with this whole inclusion thing. Yeah. I'm saying I'm already in hell. So I'm probably in that Sikh person, that Buddhist person, that whatever, um, working my way out and manifesting myself better than those that purport to be followers of me. That's so, fantastic. Right? Yeah. Well said. Well said. You know, that tells me, now this is the the best part of deconstruction then, the best part. It's yeah. not that there's a demolition of faith, or it doesn't have to be. But what if I, what if the demolition is of, of those walls that box me in, the, the walls of hostility that, that cause alienation mm-hmm. between me and the other? What if that's what's coming down? That would be good. And I think I'm seeing it. And that could, in a time when, especially uh, across the world now there's so much hostility and and polarization yeah that at the very same time god is at work suggesting like go deconstruct that wall over there cuz that that's not serving you or them in fact that's what's making them them instead of we or us oh so oh so good yeah we we other people you know we other we other mm-hmm. And yeah. we need, we just need a lot of help and, and healing with that. And it's, it's so interesting. And, and we other people in Jesus name Yikes! and, and it's scary. And yeah. The one that Paul life. said in, in Christ, there, there right. isn't, you know, these walls of division that between males and females, Jews and Gentiles and all that. I got to sit in, I, I got to be in a class on the weekend mm-hmm. with, uh, with, a uh, uh, Rabbi Robin down in Miami. I was borrowing her office and then she came in. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'll go. (laughs) Um, She's like, well, we're just going to do this class for the girls who are going to do their B mitzvah, she called it, um, or some call it a bat mitzvah. And she said, you're welcome to join us. So I just sat in with, so I was one of like the, I was, I identified as a 13 year old girl for a little while. So I could (laughs) sit in the class and listen to this wonderful Jewish rabbi who again, sounded like I know this voice. And it was a voice of inclusion. And I, I was just so grateful. And she responded to me and said, you're always welcome because this is a weird thing, a weird expression. But she goes, the, the, there's a connection between my divine humanity and your divine humanity. And this makes for friendship. And I'm like, what? And so I want to know more. What, what what do Jewish rabbis mean by divine humanity? And I think I think maybe we're meant to learn from them about this. So, oh my goodness! And you know yeah. that kind of takes us back broadly. Like, really, we're meant to learn from everybody. Mm-hmm. And you know, so if we're like, and, and and sometimes we think, well, I need a mentor, so it needs to look like this. 
And God is saying, well, listen to your children or grandchildren, listen to the the Sikh, listen to the the Jewish rabbi, you know, listen to the Muslim cleric or whatever, listen to the one in front, listen to the disabled, listen to the 12 stepper. This is what I'm hearing. It's like there are so many places to listen to them that has an ear, let them hear, right? And so what are we, what, who is God bringing in our lives that we need to hear from as we're traveling? And this is part of the deconstructive process because we think, well, we can only, it can only look like this. And I, I think part of this is fear because we're so afraid of going astray. We're so afraid of becoming apostate. We're so afraid of, you know, eternal conscious or whatever we're afraid of, right? Um, that we're also shutting off who God is bringing to teach us. Yeah, yeah. Right? You should go back and just take a transcript of what you've just said and blog it or make it a chapter. I mean, because this is the very heart of it. I feel like in this grace connection, you and you and I are having, like, I feel like um, the voice of God just spoke up it's like ah this is the theme of the day this is what we're about what a good summary i'm sure it'll get in a book sometime (laughs) it's so good like listen so learning to listen not shutting ourselves off from those whom god is bringing us Mm -hmm. so if you think about that like if you just do that and you can do it on purpose Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um you would have connection you would have grace you would have communion you would have community so that could be maybe an invitation for people today. I'm like, where do I find this? You know, yeah. it's like, well, not where, but how. Mm-hmm. How is by becoming, orienting yourself as a student of God through everyone he puts in front of you. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that, and, and it's so beautiful um, when you think about it. And and just and the beauty of humanity. I mean, I, I know we show up in all evil, ugly ways, but that's not us, right? Mm-hmm. And and God working in people, however they're identifying themselves, right? Yes. yes. So that we can see them and God in them. And it, it's it, it it it's like a treasure trove. This is falling in love with the human race. Oh, very good. Yeah. Right. And and we've been taught that we're evil. Yeah. When God says we're good. Yeah. And um and and yeah, I, I think that that's incredible. And that's one of the things I, I so enjoy because you're bringing up all these different people that are not wouldn't proclaim as Christian, but they're following Christ in their flavor, however that's working out, even if they're not professing that they're following Christ. You know, I mean, you mentioned what, like four or five, five different examples and it's, wow, it's, it's gorgeous. And, you know, this, this helps us. I have no idea if this has anything to do with your book, <laughs> but it's it kind of does, but it feels more like maybe this is, I, I, I am going, that's what I'm working on right now. I haven't started writing really yet, mm-hmm. um, except random notes, but I feel like that's where I want to head next is the intersection of the necessity of of a living connection and and how we have that and a christian explanation or analysis of why i'm finding that outside of christianity 
So it's it's not that I need to, I'm not going to let go of my list of Christianity, I don't think. Um, like I'm a Jesus follower through and through. Um, and so, but when I'm with Safi, he he him and I team taught the faculty at a of a Pakistan liberal arts university, and he says, "Come as a Christian." Like so good. we're not doing ourselves a favor when we raise all of our disagreements, but we're also not doing ourselves a favor when we when we lose our diversity. Yeah, and I can't tell a Muslim that their that their faith is the same as mine and that muhammad is just cosmetic like no right, right, right. but 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 our diversity he called he always calls me into like um a competition for goodness and he showed he that's his favorite passage in the quran it's like where where allah says this is why you know in the end you'll get it but this is why there's christians and muslims and jews right now is so that I could solve this, but I won't because I want you to compete for goodness. Outdo one another in, in, you know, and I'm like, that's a funny perspective, but okay, let's go for it. You in know? brotherly love, right? In brotherly love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. So, uh, so is this, a, this is a book, pro- an up preview of coming attractions or? Yeah, I think maybe, I think maybe that's what's, that's going to be an outcome Green? from this because it really, it, it's raised itself in these stories I'm experiencing and told you it's raised itself in the, so the last section of the current book out of the embers, you know, I'm, I really do start with the faith. I, I end maybe the last hundred pages of it are like, where do we go next? What is coming? What's, if deconstruction is a birth canal, right? What's being birthed, yeah. right? I love that. That's yeah. not a threat. Then it's something. Wow, there. This can be very hopeful, and um, so I am suggestive of that. And one of the my favorite chapter, actually, I had a lot of help. I sort of co-wrote it with Felicia Morell. Oh, I know. I saw her. Oh my god, I love her. Yes. Isn't she amazing? Yes. She's just uh, one of my favorite people in the world. And and so she, I felt like. There's people who've left the church because of things like white supremacy and Christian nationalism. And, but then you think that's all of Christianity and the black um, church is going, wait a minute. Oh, that's not us. How come our voice doesn't count as Christian? Right. Right. That's if their voice doesn't count as Christian then even leaving the church because of white supremacy is still an act of white supremacy. Right. Sure. Sure. So I'm like, I feel like if, if they've learned things outside the camp where Christ suffered, like Hebrews says this, let's go to him outside the camp. And what we learn from, from teachers like James Cone or Howard Thurman or Felicia Morell, um, um, it's like, well, they, maybe that's, maybe they are holding the gospel where we, where we thought we had lost it. Wow. So I hear, well, the church in America has lost the gospel. Well, then you haven't asked the black voice, but I couldn't teach on the black voice or speak right. for the black voice. So that chapter is an example of me becoming a student of, of the black voice, um, under the supervision of my favorite black voice. So, uh, I, I think that, that's a side note that is actually central to my the outcomes of that book. That is that is beautiful. It's beautiful, and it, it it's so true how we have disregarded 
people learning from people. And that's just another example of disregard where everybody needs a voice. And, and this is where, this is kind of the win-win. Where do we get the win-win in humanity as we're growing, you know, as we're pulling out the gifts and the treasures and some of those gifts and treasures come in, I wouldn't say black is an unlikely package, but I mean, maybe the disabled or maybe the, you know, Buddhist or the Sikh or the whatever, it's an unlikely package as we have seen it with our Christian concepts that we can only learn here. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, and, and ultimately it's such a lack of being rooted in love because if we're afraid to hear from someone who doesn't look like me, Mm -hmm. then we're just, we're having a hard time understanding that God leads through unlikely pathways or, you know, ones he wouldn't expect and that somehow um, we're not able to be safe in our exploration of things that don't look like what we thought it was. Yeah. 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 Right. Now that you, now that you mention it, that, that really reminds me of Simone Weil, who figures prominently in this book. And if you want, a, a, if you want to check into her, mm-hmm. into like a, a good starter, I translated one of her books. I So the translation is called Awaiting God, Awaiting God. So they could look up Simone Bay, W E I L, awaiting God. But her, so her big thing is attention. If at, in, in French, the word is attente, A T T E N T E, attente. And it, it, it's exactly what you were describing. You were describing attente because it's, she will say things like, um, that to, that the most profound act of compassion that you can give anybody is attention. And then she said, it's almost a miracle. It is a miracle. And then she goes on even to say, and in fact, attention is prayer. And it's this idea of um, in, in, the way she describes it, the word includes paying attention, but also openness and receptivity. Hmm. And so let's say even those who are like really concerned about their rights, it's like uh, that a a demand for rights or the fear of losing our specialness or something can lead us to grasping and groping and clinging the clenched fists, you know, but, but if we come with attention, a taunt, open receptivity with open hands, we'll receive far more than we could ever grope for with our, in our demands. Right. And so what would that look like? And I, like the groups you were mentioning, I I just know with my friends who've, let's say with down syndrome or or um aspergers we uh we have a guy who wrote quite a few pages of my book who was in the military who is on the spectrum and who had a profound encounter with with god um and, and i'm like I want to come to a guy like that with openness and receptivity because he has a gift for me. He has a word from the Lord for me. And it, it was pretty amazing. Um, I'm so proud of him. And I'm like, I'm so proud to be his student actually in this stuff. And he said, he said, you know, um, people like him on the spectrum, he's even, he's married, but when his wife says, I love you, that is meaningless to him. Yeah. Um, 
So when I say God loves you, that's meaningless to him. But he says, Simone Veil has made it possible because she was on the spectrum. Um, he's convinced of that. I'm convinced of that, that a whole community of autistic people have been able to access faith in Jesus because Simone Veil made it possible without the God loves you aspect. It was like, oh, or by saying love is doing justice. It is showing mercy. It is being compassionate. He's like, oh, I could do that. And it is their black and white sense of right and wrong. Right. Oh, you know, all of that stuff. And (laughs) so Simone Veil is sort of a saint to them, but why it's like this attention thing is a, a key. Really? And, you know, and, and so interesting because we're so, I mean, it's just such a, it's such a good conviction for us because loving, loving, means attending to right yes attention and we're so scattered all those balls going on in the head uh bouncing up and down we're so scattered but giving attention says i love you because you're giving them the gift of focus of time and also of almost sitting at the feet and saying okay you carry a gift you are a gift you carry a gift so I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. have. Yeah. In the, in, you know, my worst, when I was at my worst, probably I was in really very serious crisis. And I, I was asking the question you see in the gospels, don't you care? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm hearing God cares. I'm like, it is not enough for me to hear about a God in heaven on a throne who has a caring feeling in his heart as I'm falling apart and my friends are dying and all of that. And I need care to be caregiving like I saw in the homes where our people with disabilities lived in full-time care. I'm like, that's care. Right. Right. And then which led my spiritual director to say, okay, then let's work out how God is actually caring for you. Not just having a caring feeling, but are you telling me you're not experiencing any care? And then I just started seeing it in the people around me and, and, and going this, and even in my own heart feeling like, you know, when you, when you have a moment of clarity, that's a gift of God's care because in an addictive mind, you don't have that. And so it's an act of grace and like, okay, that's God caring. My wife nursing me through a time when I was virtually bedridden with, you know, in emotional illness, that was God caring. And it's like, well, if you don't want to count that as God, fine, whatever, you know, but someone's caring. And so that kind of care, I think, attentive care. Yeah that gives itself to real help in this world is uh, it's okay. If that's love, sign me up. (laughs) Yes. Wow. That's, that is beautiful. Boy, lots of food for thought there. Wow. Wow. I love that. And thank you for bringing the whole, uh, you know, autism spectrum stuff because I have two kids on the spectrum and they're gorgeous. I I will, I will try to find you a link to, a, a little article this guy wrote for me about about how he connected with God and um, from his from his way of being and his yeah. orientation to the world that's so different than ours and 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 just could not connect with the Jesus is my boyfriend stuff right. and yet he he's found a way you know <laughs> it's yeah. so good oh my goodness that's that's amazing. So yeah, very near, very near and dear to my heart. That's beautiful. 
That's beautiful. So sort of steering back a little bit, maybe a little more towards your book, because this is about your book. Um, mm-hmm. Are there, do you give in your book? And since I, you know, I can't say I've read it yet, but I will. Um, do you give, are there practical uh, applications for someone who's in the midst of this process that you are saying this might be helpful in your deconstructive process. I mean, I, I kind of hate that word, but not, I haven't found anybody who's figured out another one. <laughs> yeah. You know, there, there are these, you know, sort of like this, the reorientation process. Some we could even call, you know, you know, St. John of the cross, dark night of the soul. How do right. we help someone who's in there? Yeah. So one thing is from my end, and then I'll speak to the practical yeah. suggestions, but um from my end, I will hear people say, I feel like I'm losing my faith and I'm in a dark night of the soul. And I'll go, that is the tradition. Like, <laughs> you're not losing the tradition. You're finding the tradition. Hello, this saints. Is, yes. Yeah, this is yes. this is exactly the, this is the faith, is yes. to pass through these things. Yes. So, and if you're just locked into some doctrinal schema that you can assent to and sign off on, it's probably not very related <laughs> to the Christian tradition. Um, but... So here's a practical thing. I I have a little chapter or part of a chapter where I think about as we're trying to reorient ourselves, let's let's be kind to the diversity of temperaments out there. So I'll give an example, then I'll give a little list. So the example is when I talk about my living connection with God, the first place my mind goes is to my prayer life. It is like I specifically go to when I'm laying in bed at night, connecting with Jesus like I did when I was five. And I'm having, I'm praying and I can feel him in me, with me, so closer to me than I am. And so that's a kind of, and it's a real experience of presence in solitude and in prayer and in the darkness. (laughs) And um, and then I asked my wife, I'm like, do you feel like you have a living connection with Jesus? I know she does, but I want to hear how it works for her. Uh-huh. And she starts giving me examples every and, and she even surprised me. She goes, oh, every single day. I'm like, really? Tell me about that, because we hadn't talked about the how of it. Yeah. Every example was a connection with a person. I'm like, you you didn't even talk about prayer. She goes, oh, yeah, I pray, but but the living (laughs) connection, you know, she says her prayers, but the living connection is in these is in these exchanges. And so that's a very so you've got sort of my introversion and her extrovert temperaments and both and to say both count. So in the book, what I do is I I I say we've got these things we call ways. So (laughs) here's one way. Here's another way. So I talk about the the. um. Uh, this is Latin, the the via positiva. That means the positive way. Things I can think mm-hmm. about and say about Jesus and study about Jesus where there's content, right? Mm-hmm. Then there's the via negative, negativa, the, the negative way. And it's it's thinking about the way um, that what I, what I know about God, that God is not. Mm-hmm. That God is not angry. Mm-hmm. Even if I say something like he's, he's uh, immortal, well, the word I am there 
is the negative. He's right. not mortal, right? Right, so right, right. Negative way. But then I, I, I'm like, but those are both pretty theological. Mm-hmm. I don't just mean theological. You can have the via positiva, be listening to good podcasts and sermons and reading your Bible, right? Sure. Um, but then I thought that not everyone's a reader. Not everyone is into that. So then you also have the via activa. That active way. And that is people who find their living connection when they're serving at a food shelter or a, a homeless shelter or doing activism work or, you know, marching in a <laughs> some kind of uh, um, parade or, or protest. That's a via activa. Mm-hmm. And you can find God there. Mm-hmm. And some do. And then, and then I thought, well, what other ones are there? And so a friend suggested the via creativa, the creative way. And so yeah. some folks, it's like whether they're they're writing a song or knitting some mittens or any kind of creative expression can be can can be a, a venue for encounter. Wow. Uh, I think that's the four I included in the book, but I would I would add another one. It's via afflictiva, the way of affliction. Wow. And that is where I've met God most profoundly was in actually my crashes yeah. and and my pain. And I've seen people meet him in inside of their trauma in, in inner healing work, right? Well, that counts. So I think that's a practical thing is just to say, if we can start to identify where what's my history of when I have met him, when I when God did feel close mm-hmm. and and then identify, oh, that there's a pattern here. And what if I sew into that pattern on purpose and I go for walks on those ways? And then maybe if those ways have become arid, it's like, have you ever thought of trying another path? So like someone who's only ever been a theologian picks up their guitar and it's like, I'm going to. I'm going to try to to know God that way. And um, someone who's who's only been an activist is like maybe you should have like a silent retreat for four days and see what see what happens. Now, in my wife's case, she went crazy. But <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you a secret for all your view- viewers. Yeah. <laughs> my wife went on this. Um, she's so not yes. into the silent um, hermit thing. Contemplating. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So her friend took her on this uh, silent retreat and she had to be in her own room. But in the night she snuck home and got her um, got her tablet and brought it back there. <laughs> and, and then she's watching my big fat Greek wedding and she's laughing so hard into her pillow. And then there's a knock on the door and her friend slides in a, a note and it says, I know what you're doing. <laughs> I busted. And, I mean, oh, how th- funny. this speaks to these ways that we oh, all have different ways of orienting ourselves to That's living communion, right? <laughs> Beautiful. And um, and we've learned to just not despise ways that don't work for us, or despise ourselves if those ways don't work. You know, so yeah, and that can be that could be very damaging if we impose on others like this is the way I get it. And and then they start to feel kind of like they're a failure or something. And I, I know I, I, I've seen this happen. Not, not that we're not not that people are trying to like, but it's so obvious to them. Like, of course, I go for a walk and I have contemplate, and this is it. And so, and they're not getting it that way. But you know, it's really interesting because with all these ways that where where is God, right? And the question, you know, is really is where is God not? And so. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. And so we get to sample, we get to, I mean, obviously we're wired um, particular ways that are more amenable. Say if, if you're a creative, you know, singing and knitting and whatever, whatever other, uh, you know, you're kind of wired that way, but it expands out from there. I, I think we get richness and then we also get to partake in so many other ways. And so I guess start start with where you're at and continue to go and watch God fan it out, right? In terms of how we engage. Yeah. With- mm-hmm. Well, that almost sounds obvious now, but I, you know, back in the day, it was sort of like we had reduced my the tradition I was in at the time mm-hmm. was evangelical. Mm-hmm. We had reduced spirituality entirely mm-hmm. to doing your devotions. Yeah. So who were the spiritual people? They were the ones who were the best at doing their devotions, reading their Bible through every right. year, mm-hmm. being able to pay attention in prayer long enough to like how long and how do you... <laughs> so devotions was it, right? right. And right. um it didn't see that these other ways were were um valid. Valid. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, there was an incongruity to it because I was good at devotions while I was sexually active in Bible school. <laughs> you right, know, like right. there was a more absolute, like amoral right. aspect where I'm like, this doesn't line up. I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not who I, I'm told is, is spiritual this way. <laughs> right, right. Um, wow. And then I would just see, and th- this is also a way to be gracious too. Like some people come out of decon- through deconstruction with a lot of bitterness towards their evangelical roots. Yeah. And I'm like, hang on. <laughs> Thank you. You know, I think about my dad and I call him Lloyd Evangelical and he's like the quintessential evangelical. And the Lord really challenged me is like, when you're, when you slam evangelicals, um, you slam in your dad. Are, let's go through this. Would this world be a better place without your dad? No. All right. Um, Point. Do you despise your dad? No, I don't. I love my dad. Right. What have you learned from your dad? Well, I learned to love scripture. I learned to love prayer. I learned to love sharing my faith. It's like, have you renounced those? No, I haven't renounced that. Where'd you? Le- I learned it from. Oh, and how about your mom, Irene Evangelical? You know, she taught you to pray. She taught you the name of Jesus. Shall we throw that away? Well, somehow, but I'm not going to. And suddenly I'm realizing, oh my goodness, there's such beautiful gifts there. And those still count too, you know? And just because there's accretions because of a crazy revivalist talking hellfire, why do I have to throw the whole thing out? Why can't I hold on to those gifts? And which then was, to hold on to those parts of me instead of just hating who I used to be. I'm like, actually there was some good stuff happening there in that little boy, the day he got baptized, you know? So. Yes, there was. I mean, Hey, we get the baby. We just can get rid of the bathwater. I just think we need to get more clarity on what the baby is. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I mean, all of that, you, you honor the gifts that you were given, even if it was jacked up here, there, whatever. I mean, when I arrive, I will come find everybody. But, yeah. it, you know, but it's it's not happened yet, but I still have something of value to contribute. And I, I think we can, like, take the value of what we have to contribute, realizing that none of us have arrived yet. And, you know, and that's OK. We still have something of value and honoring that because it's part of who you are, Bradley. Mm-hmm. It's part of who you are. It's part of what makes Bradley Bradley. And that deserves honor. And then all the other stuff that, okay, so that can go and that can go, but, but those, 
those deserve honor. And that's what a foundation. It's beautiful. I mean, I came from, you know, heathen and I would just, I was craving anything that was remotely church. You know, my, my, I go to my kids, see any, or, you know, my friends, see any, and I was, I could feel the presence of God there. And it was so amazing. And I didn't care whether you were Catholic or, or Protestant or whatever. I was so craved it. And it, it's such a beautiful, so I was always jealous of all the evangelical types that had that foundation, not seeing how much pain there was with bad doctrine, blah, 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 blah. But there's beauty and value in that. And, you know, we can see the beauty and value of everything in the midst of what's not good. I, I think we get everything as kids. I think we're just really blessed. Yeah. Yeah. Really Truth. Truth. Yes. Yes. Well, anyway, well, this has been so good. Thank you so much. Where can where can people find your book? When's it coming out? Yeah, so um, they would find it on on Amazon for one. But you know, p- some people don't like shopping on Amazon. But so if they just Google um, Jersack and Embers, you'll find the book wherever you want to buy it. And I will say uh, that it. On the 22nd of November, it'll be out in paperback and on Kindle. You can pre-order now. But also, Boyd Barrett, our friend who did the audio for the pastor book with me and Paul Young, he's done the audio for this book, and it's so good. So he just told me that he's completed it, and we don't know when it'll be up on Audible, but it'll be surely before Christmas. So if you've got audiobook people out there who prefer that, I know there's a demand for authors to do it themselves, but this is like a 320 page book. <laughs> and I, I'm not good at that stuff. Yeah. Boyd really is. And he honors the spirit. And in fact, like he even brings some, the passion and the pain. Cause he, he yeah. felt it. He felt empathy for oh, me and for yeah. others. I was writing about that comes through. Uh, he sent me samples of that, but even like when he's quoting these other scholars, he'll throw in accents and stuff. It is so good. <laughs> so I'm so great. proud of him. Yeah. Oh, wow. What a gift. Yay. Yeah. Well, that's great too. I'll have to get that as well. I've got both. I like to do both because I, I like to have the written and, I, and I'm and i a very audio listener as well. So I, I usually do both. So I just kind of double dip. So I'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> I will one. add this. Um, if they go to the Whitaker House, Whitaker okay. with one T, Whitaker House, the publishers, I believe that for a little while there, they can get the paper, they can order the paperback, and then they'll get, um, they can get a free digital copy of A More Christlike Word, my last oh. book. Ooh, that's a great one. Yeah. So um, so if they're into a two for one, just investigate the Whitaker House site to see if you can find it. And if not, contact them and go, Brad said I could get the digital copy. <laughs> Brad and, said. Yeah, yeah. And they'll be happy to help. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Wow. Well, what a deal. What a deal. So I love that. But it has been a joy. I have no idea if we were anywhere tracking near your book, but uh, certainly do- dovetailing in and out and we always we were and we were having a connection which is way more which you know, is important, amazing so. yeah oh i so appreciate you brad so and thank you for sharing your your saturday morning when you just got back home with me that's just beautiful that's a my pleasure Yes. Wonderful. Well, everyone share this with people. We need to get the word out with the book and just helping you track with God in in new and exciting ways and heal up where you need to heal up and whatever that means. Share this with someone and thank you for listening. Love you guys. Have a great day. Bye-bye. 
Thanks for joining us on this episode of Perspectives with Catherine Toon. For additional information and resources, please visit catherinetoon.com.